We've asked Corey just to come this afternoon, just to impart some things to us. And I think he's going to just kick this off. One of the questions I asked him was, uh, how do you get from that young man from his testimony <laughs> to when he starts in and he comes to IHOP to where he's gotten today? So, and then we're going to open this up for you guys. to ha- If you have questions, wave your hand or come up here and I'll bring you the mic or you can come to me either way. Sound good? Yeah. First thing I do, I got my good news sweatshirt on. So come on, come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love you, Chris. You are absolutely amazing. I just get so happy. I feel like that's the way the Holy Spirit, when he gets around her, they just get happy. I just love it. I love your, your passionate pursuit of him. It's absolutely beautiful. You're so dear to him. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Um, thank you so much for the quilt. My wife's family's going to be blessed. I'm blessed. And, uh, yeah. And so, uh, how did I get to it? You know, I don't know. I, I moved, we moved to, uh, I'm originally from Arkansas, had a radical salvation in 1997. And I, and part of it was just the, the providence of the Lord. I had just had my, uh, second DWI. So I didn't have a license for the first year after getting saved. And God says, I think we can use this. And I'm just going to keep you where you can't go nowhere. And so I spent my first year and I'd spend, I, I began to get an insatiable hunger for the presence of God. And I wanted to be in his presence all the time. <laughs> Literally. I mean, we're all in it generally, but I wanted to be close to him. And, uh, and I would read my Bible for eight hours a day and just eat up the presence and that's literally what drove us to Kansas City in December of 2000 was, God, I want to be in your presence as my full-time occupation. I don't even know if this is an occupation, but I want to be in your presence all the time. And that's what drove me, and we didn't know what we were getting into. Moved there, you know, in December of 2000, and, and it, the thing has just never stopped. I've built my life around prioritizing the presence of God above everything else. And, 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 and so that's why, that's what I got into. I, you know, that, you know, but the, but the point was, is that, you know, how did I get from wherever I'm at to however I'm getting? The biggest point is, you know, you, you just make him your one thing and you repent quickly when it becomes your second thing. You have a short leash and you have a short, a quick, uh, uh, recalibration, constant recalibrating to keeping God the first thing. And, and, and I think that's what's helped me in my journey is I've kept a short, like, and I've kept a short memory when I've screwed up. <laughs> I wake up, I come under the blood and I said, I'm not going to live in spiritual timeout for the next three months because of da, 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 da. I'm going after you, God, and I'm not letting go. And I'm not going to let my successes talk me out of a burning heart or my failures talk me out of a burning heart. I'm going to keep running after you, God. And here we are, you know, 18 years later, and I like who I am. And I've done it maybe about 60% of the time. But 60%, God grades on a, God grades on a glorious curve. It's called the blood of Jesus. And... uh and he has just covered me and uh, I'm grateful. And so it's like all of us. 
you know, life, life happens. Life's not easy. You know, you get curveballs, you get all kinds of weird things that happen in your life. And I've just settled it. God, I get one moment to catch your gaze and to catch your attention. And I don't care what comes tribulation, glory, prosperity, or lack, I am going to run passionately after you, God. And I want to burn. And I just want to cry. That's my reward is I want to keep crying in the Bible. And um, so that's that. And so everybody's different, you know. I mean, and it all comes out different. That's I think that's the governing. That's what we all are. But for some of us, it looks like an anointed construction. Uh, you know, you're running a construction company. Others, you're a stay-at-home mom. Others this, others that. I'm grateful that I grew up in a home that my dad worked in a factory for 30 years. He never missed a day in 30 years. <laughs> and he's my hero. My dad is my hero. And I grew up watching faithfulness. And I watched him witness to one guy for 30 years just to see him get saved right before he retired. And, and I'm like, God, that's, that's true success. That's true success. It's not. You know, whatever, it's about obedience to the will of God is success. So I don't care if it's one guy that I labor for for 30 years or a million people. I don't think God's going to, when Billy Graham and uh, lines up anybody else, it's not about how many people he had versus how little people they had. It's about were you faithful to the will and the call of God on your life? And that's what we're going to be measured by. So I love it. It just destroys and delivers us from all the comparison. And I just said, God, but you know what? There's really not many things we can control. You can't control the family you were born into. You were just born into it. You can't control. I mean, we look like our parents. <laughs> Some of us, that's rough. Others is good, whatever. <laughs> I wish Maya was here. I'd, I'd play on that one. Honey, you're blessed. And, um, no, but we don't control our personality. We don't control our gifts mix. We don't control our spheres of influence. We don't con many situations, you know, there's, there's things we, we don't really control, but there's something that I can participate in, in God. And that's seeing the size of my heart grow and I can learn to love. I can learn to receive his love, learn to love him, and learn to love others regardless of anybody else. I can control that. And I'm just grateful that I get a part to play in that. And I want to, I this is what I've said, God, I want the biggest heart ever. Give me a big heart in God. Receiving your love and giving it to you and to others. I think Bob Jones, our prophetic father, he had a near-death experience. And this was, he was standing in a long line. And Jesus's one question was, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? And he said, whatever people's gods were in this life, that's what they were wrapped in. Some people were wrapped in dollar bills. Others were wrapped in their sod. <laughs> their grass was their God. But he said, there was this woman that was right in front of him. And Jesus asked her, did you learn to love? And she goes, yes, Lord, I did. He goes, yes, you did, honey. He says, come in. And she went right into his heart. And she got lost in his heart. That was the judgment seat was, did you learn to love? <laughs> he didn't. And the Lord sent him back. 
Lord, so I'm going to give you another shot at this, buddy. <laughs> Thank God for second chances. Anyway, so I, I, I just want to love. I want to grow in love. I want to grow in my capacity to receive and my capacity to give. And if God can forgive the unforgivable in me, I want to display the same love and tenacity after everyone around me. All right, good. So that's enough of me talking about that. Yeah, All right. Next, I know Marsha had a question, so we'll start with hers. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's not that complicated. <laughs> I'd like to hear your thoughts on what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about the church in the end times. <sighs> that's a big question on many levels. Um, it's not just what the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I believe that the Bible is very clear about the generation of his return. And uh, I believe we're living in a significant time of history. I do. I believe that after 2,000 years of being displaced from their homeland, the fact that Israel is back in the land, that Jerusalem is under her control, sets the stage for a glorious hour. Now, when I say generation, I, I, you know, there's a biblical generation of 120 years. Some will use hundred. Who knows anything? But I believe that set things into motion that began to, that began to alarm the earth and began to uh, switch something on the time clock. So I believe that's significant. And we, we look and pay attention to those kinds of signs and times. I believe what the Holy Spirit has said in the word of God and is speaking directly to his people in this hour is we are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the earth has ever seen. I believe that God is raising up the global upper room right now. He's building churches. He's building people. He's building men and women who are beginning to put prayer back in its central place. And whenever the Holy Spirit is getting people to praying, you know it's unto an outpouring. And I believe that he's going to cause his house to become the house of prayer. So I believe that we're going to see a glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The greatest outpouring ever. Acts 2. It will come to pass. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I believe we will see the greatest witness of the gospel across the earth. Matthew 24, 14 and 15, it says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And I believe that the proclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom, the king is coming and he's bringing the kingdom with him is going to break out in power and glory. But you got to understand that when God shifts the church into that hour. It's not like everybody's just going to fall down and we're going to have great services and then go home for lunch and talk about how awesome the meetings were. When the power of God begins to break in at this level that we're anticipating, it's going to set a domino effect and it will begin to release a storm in the nations. I was, I've been reading Matthew 8. I've been just struck over Jesus delivering the demoniac. And it says the whole city came out to see him. And when they saw him, they begged him. To depart from their region. 
We think, oh, if Jesus will come, it'll be awesome. But he's going to come. And what he did in that one? He bankrupted the pig industry. He bankrupted the economic engine. What happens when Jesus comes? He starts putting his finger on our long-held stabilities and he shakes things. He unnerves and disarms and upheaves and throws everything into a, to a tizzy. And we're just like, oh, where are you? And we're like, thank you. We, you're awesome, but get out of here. <laughs> so I think great darkness is going to ensue. I mean, the book of Acts, we love Acts too. But there's also going to be Acts 5 when people can't get away with lying anymore. I mean, dude, they gave a lot. But in a season when God comes close, you can't get away with the stuff you used to. You can't keep messing around on your taxes like you used to. Uh Uh-oh. I believe we're going to see great increase of darkness. An increase of the rage of Satan. We're, everybody's going to come out to play. Because it's Acts 12 when you've got wicked people killing. And there's going to be darkness. And Matthew 24 talks about fear. It talks about great lawlessness and lust and offense and betrayal. And so it's going to be a very intense environment, I believe, to bring forth a church that is in full unity with Jesus. He, you, amen. I think Jesus has two ingredients in the bringing forth of his bride. Pressure and presence. Pressure and presence. Think about how he works in all of our own lives. It's pressure and presence. The pressure draws you either deeper into him or you come up with counterfeits. You become up with medications to deal with the pain. Of Jesus not serving your interest. Anyway, you asked a loaded question. Um, I got energy on this one though. Because I, I, that's what I care about is getting the church. We want to grow up. Amen. So I believe it's a glorious hour. I'm excited. This is what I'm living for. And whether he comes in my lifetime. He's going, it's going to touch somebody with the last name Russell. And I want to do everything I can while I'm holding my baton to prepare future Russells for the hour of his return. Because, guys, it's always safe to say he's coming someday. But the Bible is very clear. There is coming a real day in history, a real day in time where a Jewish man will step out of heaven. And will come back to the earth where he will take his rightful rule as the son of David. And he will rule the nations. You're like, I can't even get my head around that. It's kind of like prophets not getting their head around a virgin conceiving of the son of God. Anyway, good. All right. (laughs) The question I like Chris. Chris is on it. (laughs) Who's next? Jesus. Um, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I know you share your testimony on salvation. I wasn't sure if the, at the same time where you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that's those stories just 
encourage me. I want to see the outpouring of God. Amen. And that just builds my faith to just hear people's testimonies. It's a great question. I got born again and we saw a move of God uh, hit our hometown area where I immediately, my first six months of salvation were five meetings a week till three in the morning. Now, I got delivered immediately from all the drugs. Cigarettes took me a couple months. <laughs> you know, that darn cigarette. But, um, <laughs> the darn cigarette. I remember just some old lady come over praying for me one night. And, and I didn't know any different. You know, I grew up little, little Baptist going to a little church when I was growing up. But Jesus never was anything. So I moved right into the stuff. I was wide open. And so I got hit in a meeting. Immediately broke the power of the cigarettes and I'm just screaming in tongues and I ain't been the same since. That's how I personally, it's probably about a month or two months into my salvation that I got quote unquote baptized in the spirit. I, you know, I, my point is, is I don't really even, I, I, I understand the phrase. Jesus used the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist talked about the baptizer and fire and the Holy Spirit, but I don't like Making it an event that you arrive to. Okay, I hate that. Because the religious spirit, those buzzards will fly around any doctrinal truth where you've arrived. And then you can distance and compare yourself to other people who don't have it. I want to give you a vision. I believe there's a baptism with many fillings. And, uh, and I believe he wants to continually fill you with the Holy Spirit over and over and over. Oh! I don't want last month's filling. I want a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost. Fresh, I don't care if you call it baptism, filling, fire, immersion, glory, wind, fire, fire, glory. I want more. And whenever you've arrived, you're in trouble. Okay? You know you are... In trouble when you got something that causes you to enter into your Christian lazy boy. So I just want you to go after more. He will fill you. And when he fills you, God takes over. He takes the same old truths and lights them on fire. He takes cups of coffee and turns them into revival centers. Be hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. You're talking my love language. We could walk through stories. I love Oa. Yeah, and you can find somebody else. I love the story of uh, somebody. Yeah, anybody else. It's just a cool baptism in the Holy Spirit story, but. I love it. John, I love John G. Lake. He moved in the ministry of healing for 10 years. And he had, and yet he said, I'm still not fully baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. A dude that's moving in the ministry of healing for 10 years saying, I have not crossed over yet. That's the hunger that I'm after. And everybody around me says, John, you have a glorious baptism in the spirit. He says, he says this phrase. He goes, yet I knew that my soul was on the borderland of a great expanse and I was not fully satisfied till I'd fully crossed over. And so one night him and a, a friend go to pray for a woman with rheumatoid arthritis 
and he's sitting over there and she's the guy, his friends interviewing the lady and he's sitting over here and he's just crying. God, when are you going to baptize me in the Holy Ghost? And the Lord says, I've seen your cries. I've heard I've seen your tears. I've heard your cries. You're now to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he said at that moment, he felt a warm tropical rain come over his body. And he says, and then the rain turned into volts of electricity. And it begins to go up and down his body with voltage. And he says, and it was about that time that his friend saw that he was getting moved on. It says, let's pray for her. And he said, he was about right there, that guy right there. And she's right there, the friend's on the other side. John says, I knew I didn't even have to touch her. But I just pointed at her. And the power of God hit her body, hit my friend. He flew back five feet. And I love this. And he says, John, praise God, you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> she got immediately healed. Anyway, that's cool too. Um, <laughs> I love that story. But, you know, that's great. But John says that was the outward manifestations. He says, oh, he says, but the inward. He says, my soul was made like the soul of Jesus Christ. He said, I would weep over people in their sins. I couldn't even, he goes, I could do business deals that would yield $50,000, but I could not even do business deals until their souls were made right with Jesus. I love that phrase. My soul was made like the soul of Jesus Christ because the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a baptism into the love of Jesus. Your heart will expand in love because love is the power. Glory. All right, you guys are lighting me up. God's in this room. So my question is, out of all the passages in the Bible, what's your favorite and why? It's a great question. You got to ask me whenever the spirit of revelation, whatever verse the Holy Spirit's on. Um, but the one that keeps me going, I mean, I, I know if the, the prayer out of Ephesians 1 has been... The life prayer. Father of glory would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. That's my life prayer. The verse that changed my life was John 17, 24. Father, I desire, I want them to be with me where I am. Beholding my glory. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they may know you. Psalm 91 carried me through 2015. Psalm 132 carried me after my son passed away. Psalm 23 carried me through 2016. You know, what, whatever is on me in the present moment. But those, John 17 holds a dear spot in my life. Ephesians 1. Revelation 4. Philippians 3. Genesis 1, 2, 3. <laughs> I heard that laugh. They're like saying, dude, you can't tell any more Bible verses. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I, I love them all because I, I, I'm just in hungry pursuit of the multifaceted diamond of Jesus Christ. And I want to discover his face and the faces of Jesus in every season. And every trial and, and situation and circumstance you're walking through 
contains a specific revelation of Jesus that will carry you through it. So that, that's, I want to discover him. And so that's the main thing. Yes. Somebody was raising their hand over here, actually. We'll start here and work our way back. And we can be any questions, too. Just about anything. I like these questions. They're good. So, Corey, my question to you would be uh, the importance of uh, prophetic men and prophetic utterance over you in your Christian upbringing. Of the power of the prophetic? Yes. Yeah, they, they've been a part of every transition. I, I, I weigh it. I, I, you know, it. First thing that I do is I get the prophetic spirit of what God is speaking to me in the word of God. That's my anchor. God, what are you saying to me? What are you sensing to me and what are you saying to me? And God will use prophetic men and women to confirm what God is already doing with you. Now, sometimes they'll come ahead of time and they'll give you a tip off before you move into a season. But there will be a sense of the witness of the spirit. I need rhema from the Bible. I need revelation. I need God to speak to me from the Bible. I'll give you a case in point right here with our transition. Two years ago. We were on a sabbatical in uh, Michigan uh, a- after we uh, our, our family just took a season off, took six months just to heal, restore, be together, regroup and 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 and, and pray about the future. And towards the end of it, it was September 10th, 2016. I got a, a download out of I don't even know where it came from. Acts eight, verse one. And how great persecution arose in Jerusalem and how the disciples were scattered. And God began to talk to me about the ministry of Philip. And how Philip changed a city, changed a nation. And 20 years later, we see four virgin daughters that prophesied. So I was caught in a 24-hour whirlwind around Acts 8. And this was the thought that hit me. God will use storms to get you out of the place you're at. Into the next place in the will of God. And that was a new paradigm for me. That was a new idea. God, you will use the devil. You will use demonized men. You will use betrayal. You will use jacked up people doing jacked up stuff for jacked up reasons. To be used by you. To get people to the next place in the will of God. And I began to see the storm we had walked through in a completely different light because I'm the kind of guy we'd walk through storm and I'm the kind of guy I'm going down with the Titanic. I got to no, I ain't going anywhere. I like Rocky Balboa is my hero. I think I talked about him last year. I am. I don't care how many I, I've got military in my background. My grandfather was a part of the 101st Airborne out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So I got military in my blood, which means you missing limbs, you missing whatever. We're going down. But the Lord began to say, quit being so stupid and listen to me. <laughs> he goes, there's a time to be the, the he goes, I, I, he didn't say stupid. He just said, I love your heart, but you need to understand there's a new paradigm I'm releasing to you. So two years ago, I began to ask a new set of questions. Are you transitioning us to a new place? Are you trying to get me into a new way? And I just, for the first time, entertained the question. And we thought it might have been in Houston. 
We leaned into something that might have been happening in Houston in 2017. Well, 2000, at the end of 2017, I went to a, um, I went to the church that we've now joined. Didn't think anything about it. Great time. Preached for them. It was awesome. Came again in January. Preached to them. It was awesome. Didn't think any more about it. In May of last year, 2018, the pastor and a spiritual father of his came to Kansas City. He had a powerful dream that connected him to a secret about my wife that nobody else in this world would have known. And he began to get connected to her storyline. Which for a husband, it touches you the deepest because I'm saying, God, it's got to be about me, my wife, my kids. There's got to be ten things that line up for you to do this. And so he releases this dream. He speaks over her. And I'm still dull. And I look at Dana the next day and I go, honey, pray. And I just said, pray. Maybe God's into this. We're mostly talking. Maybe I'll come four times in 2019 and speak to your church. <laughs> Well, two days later, I go minister in Dallas, coming right off of this trip, and I get into the car with a lady I hadn't seen in two years, and I even talked to her in two years, and I get in the car with her, we're driving to the church, and she says, I've been praying for you all week. She goes, I feel like I got a word for you. And I go, shoot, what is it? I'm not even thinking about anything. She goes, you're moving to Dallas. It wasn't like I feel. I sense you're moving to Dallas. I'm still not even. Okay. I go, when do you see this happening? She goes, within the year. I said, what else do you see? She goes, the Lord has got a house for you. Ten things good about the house. I'm still at about a four. (laughs) I love Bob Jones' statement to Mike Bickle. He says, the Lord told me you were dull. I didn't know you were this dull. <laughs> it's my favorite. Mike loves saying that. The Lord told me you were dull. <laughs> but then she said this, and my eyes went out. She says, you were looking for a place south of Dallas a year ago. She goes, and it's because the Lord said no to that. It's because he wants you in Dallas. So now my eyes up because nobody knew about Houston. We leaned into a church opportunity in Houston for six months. I'd never told anybody. So after I hear that, what happens in me, and literally, I I forgot about this, December, about three months or about five months before all this, I got called out of a a meeting. I grew up in this. And so it had been a a long time since I'd been around some of this. Jay Thomas, one of our worship leaders at Kansas City, saying, hey, there's this Hispanic pastor prophet guy that just calls people out of his church. You ought to go over there. So I go in the back in December. I'm, I'm going back now. Five months. I come in with a hat, a black jacket with Hadassah, my eight-year-old. And we're just sitting on the back, listening to a 45-minute message. And I'm getting up to leave. Nobody knows me. I'm just kind of inconspicuous. And he calls me out. He called out my birthday. He called out my age. He called out my stuff. And he prophesied saying, there's transition coming to you in May, June, and July of 2018. He says, it will happen. And da 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 So this is how I process prophetic revelation like that. So what I'm telling you is when God begins to transition you, you can see these kinds of things will start lining up. However, in my heart and in my processing with the Lord, the word of God 
the peace of God and the divine alignment with who I am, what my family is looking for, is about a 65% on my navigation. Outside of any prophetic revelation, it's what's the word saying, what's the spirit saying, and what makes sense for this season of my life. Okay? The prophetic stuff throws a confirmation, and it's around 30 to 35% to push me and to nudge me into the will of God. I think we get out of trouble when you make the prophetic revelation 65 or 70% without the sense of peace and without the sense of waiting on God. I waited two years with God. Even after all that stuff, I said, all right, God, here. Now I'm going to do a 21-day fast. That's up to you. I'm going to wait before you, God, because I'm not looking for anything new. I like my life, and I want the will of God above everywhere else. I'd rather be in the will of God in Tajikistan with a bowl of rice than I would be anywhere. I want the will of God. And so after two years of seeking Him, God sets the things up. But I want to encourage you. Some of you will get prophetic words that are from heaven. But how you process those prophetic words can either you being off in this direction or you being off in that direction. You need to develop your own life in the word and your own life of prayer. That the things you're hearing and receiving is actually guiding you into where you're going. So that's my two cents on that. But I believe big in it. It did a. All right. Are you worshiping the Lord or asking a question? <laughs> got, a, got a couple over here. All right, we got a couple over here. Does that help? Yeah, I believe in it, though, man. Okay, so since you have been in the house of prayer uh, for so many years and you travel a lot, what do you see God doing? Uh, he's doing a new th- We all agree this whole conference has been about he's doing a new thing so what do you see specifically in the area of um, worship and prayer because i know you being at the house of prayer it's the harp and bowl model mostly yes but what do you see beyond that that god is beginning to do first off i just like you you're amazing (laughs) you're so sweet i like you too i like i like you anyway uh, I like the fact that you highlighted Chris's dress out there. That was just so thoughtful of you. She looks amazing. I know, doesn't she? Anyway. <laughs> she sits down. <laughs> anyway. I love that. I just love someone that's outside of themselves to see people like that. It's beautiful. Um, all right, good. Harp and bowl is the way we've done it to sustain 24-7 prayer for 19 years. Here, hear me, hun. But what he's doing, I'm seeing like what we're connecting with in Dallas. They have a completely different model and a different way. What God's doing, I believe he's bringing together music with prayer. That's what he's doing. That's the new work that he's doing because that's what they do in heaven. Harps and bowls, which means this music and prayers. And he's bringing together a new definition of intercession and worship and prayer that establishes God's throne in cities, in regions, His presence. That's what He's doing. And that thing is bleeding through a thousand models. I care less what the model looks like. 
I don't care if you do 20 minutes of this and this, 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 this. We have built it. Mike built what we built to sustain 24-7 prayer until Jesus comes back. Everybody's going to have different models. Other people are going to have different ways. What we are doing in Dallas is morning, noon, and night. That was the phrase, Psalm 55. I will worship you morning, noon, and night. God's going to release a thousand models and 24-7 isn't the goal. The will of God is the goal. And doing more prayer than you did last year is the goal. That's what it's about. Once you set that, it just is a, it's an undue yoke that we put on different groups and it discounts everything else that we do. All right? So I would say he's doing it. The songs that are coming out of the prayer room is validating ministry to God. I believe God's raising up a new breed of worship leaders that are getting delivered from stages. And, and I believe that we're going to see, guys, I'm telling you, what's, there's a crashing to the industry. There's coming a collision in the industry. And I believe that the only ones that will be carrying the ark into this next move of God will be the ones who have learned to do it in empty rooms before they were ever in full rooms. Because full rooms won't move the next generation of priests because they have learned to lock eyes with the one. So I believe he's raising up worship leaders in that way. And it's exploding across the earth. I believe it's going to be integral to the church planning movement. I'm seeing three realities come to the forefront. Local church, prayer movement, and missions. And he's bringing together all three. I believe we're going to see a church planning explosion, but they're going to plant houses of prayer. They're going to plant praying churches. Churches that have prayer at the center. Wouldn't you love for more than just the January fast of the year? Wouldn't you love to have it all throughout your year? Have places to where you can go for your lunch hour? Have a, anyway, you're like, I don't know. Good. So, yeah, I believe that's some of the things he's doing. It's happening, but I believe it's. But I also believe as I'm moving into 2019, he's doing something with family. And he's doing something with vulnerability and us going to. It's not just systems because he says my house shall be called a house of prayer. House is about family. And we're going to start going there. We need each other. New levels of vulnerability are coming. Of the plastic. Fake waving Christian life is coming to an end. We need brothers that we're going to walk with, sisters that we're going to walk with, marriages, families. I feel like the walls are coming down. It's breakthrough here, it's breakthrough here, and it's breakthrough here. And the ground on which that rides on is vulnerability, intimacy, transparency, covering. Covering. I'm safe. But you just don't get to that place. It's a place of vulnerability is built on trust. And because everybody's talking to everybody else, that exposes the lack of priestly ministry in our midst. When you talk to God, you have a certain safe place in you that I can take your stuff, cover you, and wrestle it out with you without talking to others about it. Priestliness restores a guarded mouth. I'm not going to tell you my stuff to everybody else. I'm going to tell it to people that I that I can trust and who I know lives before God. Anyway, so I, I think it's about family. I think it's about this, and I think it's about the end time message. 
you know, we're plowing in Kansas City. Mike's preaching 150, go walking through the 150 end time chapters. There's 89 chapters in the Gospels that talk about Jesus' first coming. There's more than about twice of that about the generation of his return. And we don't know much about it. So anyway, good. It's a good question. Yeah, I was wondering if you said spiritual father, if you had a spiritual mentor in your life and how important that was in you growing to know Jesus Christ more and what that looks like. Did you reach out to him? It's a great you... question, man. These are good questions. Can I say something really quick? Yes. I was down at IHOP in Kansas City in, Ju- in July. I was there in July. And I had my head down and I was praying. And I heard somebody praying and I thought, I think that's Corey Russell. I looked up. It was a young man. But he sounded exactly like him. He prayed exactly like him. I asked you later that day. I said, are you his mentor? He says, yeah, he's one of my students. But, I mean, I think, I'm not trying to answer his question, but that's exactly what I saw. And you know what? He really was there early in the morning. I was there early in the morning, and he was really there early in the morning, just pouring into the Lord, walking back and forth, just like Pastor Jason does, walk back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) Anyway, so I'll let you answer that question now. Yeah, that's great. You know, I mean... Yes, I, I, I believe it, and that, that's a loaded question. There's lots of different ways and I'm coming into a new paradigm of what it means. Um, and in the big sense up till now, Mike Bickle has been a spiritual father to mine, to me. I've walked with him for 18 years. I've seen his life. I've shared his life. I've been with him. We've had places of vulnerability and I trust that man. I've also had a deep spiritual brother in Alan Hood. And I found, but I never asked per se for any of those. Now, I moved my life to Kansas City to be close to Mike because of the way that he was living his life. And I wanted to be close to him. I made a decision. We didn't talk about it. I just showed up. (laughs) I just showed up and I was saying, that's what I want to be like. And in that place, it happened. I'm not real big. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open to this. But I, I feel like you put a lot of pressure on going to people saying, will you be my spiritual dad? I think more than anything is you want to learn to imitate my life. And what I tell people, I'll see you at 6 a.m. It's really the uh, karate kid, you know. I'll see you at 6 a.m. And I'll be doing this. And if you can get delivered from me giving you something. Who said that? You? Yes. Because that's the thing. We're putting a weight on them. Spiritual fathering, which means I want you to be my go-between between between me and God. And I refuse to do that. I'll be a friend of the bridegroom. And I'll show you how I live and how I encounter him. And I will help along the way to get you into your mode. And we'll build those places. But I'm not going to become your, you know, Jesus says don't call anyone father. In, in Matthew 24, he said, don't call anyone father. So I, 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 I have a lot of fear of the Lord around that phrase and how we do that. However, I do believe he is bringing it forth. But I think he wants to take the messy, weird expectations off of it. Saying, be my daddy because I didn't get it from him and I'm going to put all my stuff on you. Um, 
That's what we got to be careful for. And so there's some guys I'll immediately go there with because it's I've, I've just feel the connection. Other guys, I know it's an unhealthy expectation on me. And I will on purpose let them wrestle it out by not giving them what they're looking for. And then we'll have talks about it. He goes, are you, he'll ask me, are you okay? I go, yeah, I love you, bro, bro. I will go driving around. I'll take them driving. And I go, I just want you to know, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to become that thing that, that person that answers everything in your, your life. I want to connect you with him. I want to connect you to him. And it broke our relationship through when I was able to have that conversation with him. So anyway. I, you know, that's, that's a great question, but you know, the Lord will bring them to you. And a lot of times that's what me and Alan Hood have been forging. Uh, everybody's looking for a father, but a lot of us aren't seeing our brothers right next to us and our sisters. And many times Jesus called brothers. He didn't even release an, a multi-generational movement in his disciples. Jesus was leading a youth group and he connected the brothers and the sisters a brother's born for adversity. All right, good. All right. Let's take one more. Okay, I got a hand back here. We'll do this as our last one. And then this we'll is the most enjoyable. One. I think so, too. I really Q&A think so. I think I've ever had. Don't mess it up. Don't be asking me about first Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> Don't break out first Corinthians 14 and... <laughs> We're going to talk about tongues and <laughs> Okay, so you, um, earlier when you were talking about prophesying, you, you mentioned 65%, um, you know, that God re- revealed to you, you know, based on your walk with him and your connection with him. Have you ever encountered a period in your life where um, you're expecting from God. You're expecting to hear from God. You hear from him all the time, but you go through a period of time where you just don't hear anything, but you are getting confirmations that he's with you, yes. you know, maybe through series of events or visions or something. How do you, um, how do you get through that phase when you are so hungry and fervent and thirsty and you just want to hear him like the way he speaks to you before? But he refused to speak, but then you still know that he's with you. How do you get through that period of remaining connected and, and keep... When you find out, tell me. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> you know, we do. I leave it up to God. I, I'm going to obey my thirst when he's moving on me in that way. And he's moving through me. I'm going to lean in, push in. God, I need to hear from you. Release kisses. You know, release this, release that. He does release things along the way. But I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what I can do, which the lad brought two loaves and five fish. That's all I'm going to bring. And I'm going to trust what it looks like to God and that, God, you're going to lead me. And I want to do it from a place of rest. I don't want to be in anxiety. God, move. If we don't move, my world's going to fall apart. And that's when he would say, Corey, come to sleep in the boat, come to sleep, come to rest, dial down, do what you've always done. Live in the word, live faithful, be faithful in your life, tend your garden. I was just talking to someone called me yesterday and when I was in route over here and she was saying, I'm in a similar season. I'm not hearing anything. 
And Song of Solomon 1, she says, why should I be as a veiled one? And he says, keep yourself beside the shepherd's tents and feed your little flock. Which simply means this. Go to church, be faithful, and look at the ones around you and sow into them. And that will break the veil quicker in your life is when you get your eyes off yourself and you begin to sow it into God and faithfulness. And I found that he shows up to me when I'm not trying to manipulate or work him into something or I'm in my own frenzy over it. So I want to live and abide in him and I'm going to walk with him and I'm going to learn this way. It's not manipulating, but there are those moments where you got, I got to hear from you. And he knows, but if he doesn't answer, he's saying, you don't have to hear from me like you think you have to hear from me. <laughs> Which means stay in the waiting room. Glory. And I may talk about it tonight. I've been in this John 11 thing. I preached on it at one thing. I believe that John 11 thing is what happens in the delay is the word of the Lord. Because Martha came up with plastic, nice Christianese praying. But sometimes God wants to keep you in the waiting room to let that prayer get deeper. I don't want to preach my message, but sometimes he's getting you to a deeper place that you haven't even known about. All right, good. That was awesome. All right, we are going to thank you. Can we just thank him for this? Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you.